You're listening to the Todd Rod God Pod, a podcast hosted by Pastor Todd Rodarmel and Drew Tilton, where we explore ideas of faith and what it means to have a sustainable spirituality. animal water that all of the animal has been taken out of and it's just the water part that's disgusting (laughs) (laughs) wow that's that gives a whole new meaning when you say chew on the bone and spit out the meat no eat the meat spit out the bones (laughs) you're gonna chew on the bone huh (laughs) chew on the bone spit out the meat it's a new diet this was a good thing having you here (laughs) this is perfect it's a new diet (laughs) okay just eat all of the bones (laughs) Um, me. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks. Week thanks. two, we made it. I can't believe it. We I actually know. did it. Uh, we actually invited somebody. Tracy, hey. how you doing? Super honored to be asked to come and play today. Come and play. We thought Tracy would bring some good energy and fun, but she's also super wise. Um, really, really smart. Well, thanks, and Drew. Yeah, you got it. Tracy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We got to know me and Todd last week. but hmm. Well, my name is Tracy. That's good to know. My middle name is Lynn. Tracy Lynn. And my last name is Radarmal. Radarmal. Same as me. Whoa. <laughs> so are you guys she got it siblings? Me. We are not siblings, <laughs> but we've been together as long as siblings almost know. Uh, we met when we were 15. Oh. But that's my spouse. Todd is my spouse. I am a mother of three children and a grandmother of a little guy. And I'm the group's pastor here at Mountain View Church, which means I run the small groups and get people connected to the life of the church. And you're great at it. I'll, I'll attest to that. Thanks. And we're here at week two of the Todd Rod God Pod. And if it's your first week with us, we're a podcast that is striving to help people live in a sustainable spirituality with Jesus. And... None of us are perfect at that, but we've figured some stuff out, and we want to share that with you guys. And there's actually this cool new function, guys. I haven't told any of you guys about this yet, but on this the podcast host that we're using, which is Anchor.fm, they have this option where people can send in messages, like whether it be audio messages, so we could actually put you on the podcast if you have a good enough question through your audio message, or we could read a message that you can write into the podcast. That's in the link of the description. You can totally click it on this podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, we might answer your questions in future podcasts. We cool. might, or we might so, not. We might just laugh at yeah, it. Yeah, we might be just be like, oh, that question sucked, and we might just move <laughs> on. So, There are no stupid questions. There, there are, are stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Something like that. But Todd, we're jumping into this series where we've been talking about spiritual practices. Last week we talked about Sabbath. What are we talking about this week? Yeah, this week we're talking about presence and slowing down to be present with God. I thought about calling it the spiritual discipline of slowing because next week I'm talking about fasting, but (laughs) that wasn't a good enough reason to call it slowing. But what really came out to me is that it is, we do need to slow down that I move too fast and our world moves really fast and we need margin in our lives in order to be present with God. Hmm. And I think a lot of people say, Oh, I don't feel God's presence or 
where is God or I feel so distant from God. And God is as close as the air you breathe or closer you live and move and have your being in him. So he's not far off. You just aren't paying attention or your attention is being paid elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so you're not making space to notice. So that's what we're going to be working on is how do we create more space in our lives to notice God and what he's doing and pay attention to him. So I've been working on that. Talk about that for a little bit because I feel like I, it, it, my instinct gut reaction is I don't have space. Yes. Like that's, <laughs> that's where I feel like I'm at. Well, you know, it, it always reminds me of this. Um, Tracy's stepdad used to say this thing to me all the time about, man, you guys really squeezed 10 pounds into a five pound bag or something like that. It's kind of a weird, dumb <laughs> saying, probably from Ohio from, where he grew up. I don't know. <laughs> but what it always makes me think of is, yeah, it, I have a lot going on and I'm way too busy and I need to get rid of things and I got to cut things out of my life. And mm -hmm. so where do you cut? Because it doesn't feel ever like there's anything cuttable. Feels yeah. like everything is like need to, have to, got to. But then I took a month off and took a sabbatical and realized that, oh, I can drop some things and take, you know, pretty much dropped everything out of my bag. And I'm trying to add things back in slowly now and intentionally so that I only put five pounds in a five pound bag or maybe Even four less. pounds in a five pound bag wow. so that I have a little bit of margin Imagine in my life. That. that would be amazing. Because then I could be present to God and to people. Yeah. I think um, what helped the process that you're in and the process that I'm in in this was us moving. And it was a great metaphor for what you're talking about as well. Like how do we take... You mean like moving houses? Literally moving houses, yeah. How do we take 30 years of... 35 stuff. years of stuff... Mm -hmm. And simplify it into, you know, what a fits in a two bedroom apartment. A two bedroom right. apartment. Right. You no guys garage. downsized. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And we got rid of more than half our stuff. And, you know, everything you do, it could be, you know, the physical things are really spiritual things because our life is not separated like that into spiritual and physical. And you mean our lives in general? Our lives in general and human beings in general. Human beings. I think yeah. some people think of it as, oh, your spiritual life is, you know, super spiritual and what happens on the inside and your physical life is what happens on the outside but it's like you're a human being so you're all connected body mind spirit all of you and can't separate that out without killing you so it's best to um not die not die and pay attention to the ways that your physical space and your soul space they go together and mm -hmm. when you've got a lot of physical stuff in your life and you've got a lot of events and commitments and responsibilities in your life and you have a lot of worries and cares and you know we have cares because we care about stuff but the more things we can let go of that aren't ours to carry the more we can pay attention to what God has given us to do I, I read something I don't know in one of the things that I read this week somebody was saying God never gives you more to do than you have time for to do without hurrying but we take on stuff in our life Right. That adds to our stress and our anxiety. And we say yes to things that we sh have no business saying yes to. 
And so periodically you got to go cut it out. It's interesting because you guys are kind of talking about two kind of levels of this, right? There's the creating space, which you guys had this life event that created opportunity. You had a couple because you took that month off and you guys moved. You know, you got to create the space, but then it's it's the keeping the space too that's like this ongoing process that you have to do, right? Which is super challenging because I think we've all done like spring cleaning my life, you know, like I'm going to cut out these things and turn out these. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few months go by and we've filled that up, maybe not with the same stuff, but with new things that we've taken on. Exactly. And, and it's real easy to do. It's easy to do with your closet and it's easy to do with your calendar hmm. and your, your budget. I mean, like your money stuff like we. You, you do, how many times have I done a budget and then like organized it and got it all together and then all of a sudden I'm spending money that I didn't really plan on my budget and then now all of a sudden it's out of whack and I wonder why my bank account's upside down. It's the same thing we do with our time, with our brain space, with our commitments. And you mean it's easy in the sense that it's it's easy to fail at this. Like it's, oh, easy. It's yeah. easy to go back to. You have to be super intentional to not fail at this right totally <laughs> and and not just one time but on an ongoing daily basis because like we were talking about last time transformation doesn't come from information it comes from habituation you have to change your habits to change your life right. so just knowing stuff you know knowing the right thing to do is not the same as doing it and even doing it one time it has to be done you have to find ways to repeat things in your life that change your life and your habits. And that's what the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines or what we're calling practicing the way of Jesus is about. It's about organizing your life around practices that help you pay attention to God and be connected to him. Just like Jesus said, if you're connected to me like a vine or like a branch is to the vine, then you bear much fruit. And so we are looking for ways to stay connected and keep that connection intact and healthy. Yeah. And, and what are you guys doing right now? Because you guys are really trying this in your lives. What are you guys doing right now to keep that simplicity there? Well, besides downsizing and keeping a small space, we're having to live a way that we're super intentional, like even in choosing where we moved. Like we had to really talk about what is it that we really need? What are our yeses in just our living space? You know, what are our yeses to where we want to rest? And then finding a place that is conducive to that so that we're literally able to sustain those yeses on a regular basis. So yeah, because we have a smaller space that's easier to keep up on, I actually make the bed. And I started doing that. And I never Utah. made my bed, and unless Tracy made it, it didn't get made. But now it's in the middle of our living room. So, <laughs> I mean, we have a room that's like wide open, and you can close it off, but it's better when it's open. And so definitely we need to keep everything clean all the time or it just becomes a dump, and there's not enough room for it to be a dump. So we can keep it clean, and it's amazing because it's easy to clean. When you have less stuff, it's easier to put away all your stuff. Yeah, that intentionality of keeping your space clean because when it's in your face— I don't know, like I always feel that way. Like there's certain things where it's like, oh, it's okay if certain things get dirty because it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. But like when it's in your space, it's just like, I cannot handle this. Like in my car for me, I know this isn't true for everybody, for like if my car is unorganized, I feel like I'm going to just crash it. 
because I'm done. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I just, I want to be done with uh, this dirtiness in my car. Yeah. And it's just another example of how your interior life and your exterior life are linked. Like right. your internal anxiety goes up as your external environment is a mess or disordered or whatever. And it, it's why it makes a difference when you make your bed or clean your room or clean your car because you feel better. Right. And, and it's internal and external because we're we're human beings that are both. We're all those. We're body, mind, soul, spirit. We're, we're all connected. Yeah. Another way that, that we've created a sustainable um, slowing is the only space that we have to sit and meditate, you get to see something beautiful. So if I come home and I'm still kind of spinning um, my wheels about work or family or whatever, to just go sit in that space and breathe in because it's just right there. It's accessible. Because you live on the ocean. We do live on the ocean. But to be able to find, like even in our previous house, like we just needed, you know, a space in our house mm. where you can consistently go to that you know is a, you could take five minutes and really just breathe. And I think now that we've made a move that's a little more permanent and simplified, that element of having a space where you can practice a five-minute Sabbath or a 10-minute slowing or whatever in the midst of your harried life is, I think, has been super key for me. That becomes like a regular rhythm that I don't have to just wait for Sunday. You know, I can, it can happen on a daily Yeah, basis. and it's kind of it's like what Todd said about that connection between the mind, the spirit, the body. You know, like I, I know that I've had those spaces in my life in the past, like physical spaces that help me get in the right headspace and the right heart space to rest, to find that peace in the midst of that chaos, like you said. And I think the word that really stood out was that, that idea of peace. Like this seems like if all commands or things that are promoting human flourishing, all commands from God, the flourish in this seems like it would be a lot of peace in our lives. Yeah, well, and, and that's the, the fruit. Like when, when Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. And then later we're told that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that God's Spirit produces in our life when we stay connected to Jesus and that Spirit is what flows from Him through us and, and we have that connection, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And these are things that are not compatible with hurry. Yeah, They're not compatible with being in a rush. They're not compatible with like your life's out of control. When I'm not at peace, I mean, when I'm in a hurry, I'm a jerk and there's so many times when Tracy and I we have conflict because I'm just in a hurry and I don't have the time to listen to her or to you know wait for her I mean I grew up in a family where my dad was always like the probably the thing he said to me more than any other thing when I was a little kid was hurry up hurry up hey you kids hurry up hurry up <laughs> and so I have had this inner sense of hurry my whole life and I was passing it on to my kids and passing it on to other people and always being like in a hurry and man you I walked into a room and I just bring anxiety with me sometimes and bring mm. hurry with me and that's really the opposite of the fruit of the spirit I mean I have to admit I have said a few times like okay you need to go back outside <laughs> turn around because this is a joyful space and you're bringing something in that is really messing up the jam here I'm, you know? I'm imagining Tracy sitting looking at the ocean in her peaceful place and here comes Todd storming into the room like yeah. papers it, flying around him for some reason yeah it's all in slow motion <laughs> it, it happens yes but it's not slow motion in my mind it's like 
speed in yeah. your mind. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit because what kind of mindsets, because it feels like everybody's busy, though everybody might not feel just like that. What are the different things that make us feel like we have to continually strive for things that aren't simple in our lives, these cluttered lives filled to the brim? You know, what do you think? Because one might be that you had this family that was always in a hurry and stuff like that. Um, but not everybody has that story. So I wonder, wonder, because it feels like everybody, everybody's feels this busy. Way. Well, and that's the thing. It's just gotten exponentially like worse and worse partly because of just technology and our interconnected world. Back in the 50s, they actually had a congressional study where Congress was trying to figure out, like, they thought by, like, the 80s we would be so, you know, have so much leisure time because of all these new modern devices that do our work for us, like washing machines and dishwashers and all of these things that, you know, we're going to have all this free time on our hands. But the more machines we've gotten, the more things there are to repair, the more things there are to break and the more things we think we can do. So we add more things and then we get more technology that it takes time to learn how to use. And then it's just every time you add something to your life. I mean, think about just apps. You add a new app to your life right. and you got to learn how to use it. And then you spend, I don't know, how many hours a week or a day using that. And then where's that time coming from? You're, it's not like you said, oh, I'm going to cut out all these other things so I can add this new thing into my life. Right. Yeah. We never think that way. We never like approach things from that. Hey, in order to fit something else, I got to take something else out. We just are like, oh, that would be great if I could add that. That would be great if I could add that. Yeah. It just reminds me of like the, the jerk, you know, like I don't know if you ever remember. It's one of our favorite movies that from Steve Martin from 1979, The Jerk. We used to watch it pretty much every year. It just was like a tradition. What day? What day would you watch it on? I don't know, but uh, but we'd have we, to watch it on a VHS a tape. Yeah, because we had VHS, but now we don't have VHS anymore. So <laughs> and then it chews up the tape, and then you got to yeah, try to wind it back oh in with God. a knife. And <laughs> but Gosh. but he's walking along after sucked. he goes bankrupt, and he's like trying to take the last things of his life, and you know he's like see, he's like I don't need anything. I don't need any of this. Oh, I need that. I oh. need this eraser. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this chair. chair yeah and then he just like he keeps picking things up until he's like his arms are full that's kind of how i go to the grocery store and i just grab the little like handheld thing and i end oh, up i don't need that much yes walking out with like a bunch of <laughs> stuff sir would you not put shoulder. that in your pocket please would you <laughs> just don't have exactly. anywhere else to put it <laughs> i get busted for shoplifting yeah <laughs> no yeah it's interesting because we just don't put things down and um it's also interesting, I was just thinking, like, how wrong we can often be. Like, you talked about the congressional study of projecting the future of, like, we always think, well, if I just had this, I would feel so much more peaceful. I'd feel like I'd have so much more space. And then we get whatever that thing is, whether it be a new piece of technology or a new job or a new paycheck or whatever, and it's like, it doesn't solve the problem. Like, it's, it's funny how we fall into that trap. Yeah, and it's so central to our lives that it affects everything. Like, I never forget, I've, I've heard it from, from Dallas Willard when I heard him speaking about it, and then I heard, um, you know, John Ortberg, who's kind of like Dallas Willard for dummies. Um, <laughs> he basically puts everything Dallas says into a very more simple way to communicate it. But Ortberg, you know, said that he was being mentored by Dallas and met with him, and, and he asked him, you know, when Ortberg was busy he was working at willow creek is a big church in chicago and he's saying like what do i need to do to organize my my life how can i grow spiritually you know and ortberg sitting there just ready and dallas takes a long pause as he always did 
like Mr. Rogers, he <laughs> pause and talk very slowly. And he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hmm. And then Ortberg's like, wow, that, that's, that's great. Um, he writes that down. He's like, okay, good. What else? And Dallas says, there is nothing else. You must arrange your life so that you ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then they went on to talk about this, but you know, his point was when you're in a hurry, it affects everything. And you know, like Corey Tenboom said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Yeah. And then even Carl Jung, uh, psychologist guy said, busyness isn't of the devil. It is the devil. <laughs> and I think there's something to that in that busyness is really incompatible with all of the fruit of the spirit with staying connected to the vine, um, with recognizing yourself in the presence of God, with being present to other people, loving people. Like it just doesn't, it's not compatible with love. And there's that new book out now. Oh gosh. I, I'm seeing all my friends post it on Instagram, but I can't remember what it's called. It's like the elimination of the hurry. ruthless elimination of hurry, Isn't which that is, a which is the, a title of a book by John Mark Comer. Yeah. That was yeah. 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 Basically taken from that That's interaction and that conversation. Yeah. yeah. With that he had with, with Ortberg about his conversation with Dallas Willard. That's what's been so amazing. So, I, my car's for sale. Anybody want to buy it? It's a cute little mini. Little mini. You're yeah. just selling it for. I'm selling it because I live where I can ride my bike to work or ride my bike to, you know, meet people or whatever. Mm. But I was telling Todd the other day, I love it so much because I know I have to take an hour to get to work and I cannot hurry because yeah. you can't ride any faster than your legs will take you. <laughs> and it's a time for me to just slow down and just literally look around and enjoy the ride, listen to worship music, a podcast, listen to nothing. Just enjoy the space that I get to be able to get to where I need to go in a simple way. And I feel like I have that margin that you have talked about for years. And I talk about it because I need it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm really good at it, but because I need it. Yeah. It's just, it really does make a difference when there's margin in even, you know, your commute and there's margin in, like, I know that you in the past have been like, yeah, I, you know, I have a meeting from 10 to 11, then I have another one from 11 to 12. And I'm like, wait, how do you do, how do you meet with people in just an hour? Like if I meet with people, <laughs> I have to do two hours or two and a half hours so that I have the margin in right. case so we don't ever have to rush but i always tell todd i'm really your best disciple because everything you teach me i do it and i'm like you're right well and i'm your best disciple <laughs> because everything you do is what i'm teaching <laughs> no but it's just true you have there's so many truths that are taught here that you know you've passed on but i am a, a recipient of it because now i'm practicing these things that i'm like this is so life-giving to just get rid of so many things that have caused me to have to shut down or close off my people connections or ways that i engage in solitude because i've had to arrange some things that have really made a difference yeah and when when we have margin we have room for people and you know interruptions like I, 
I was thinking about this. You know, Jesus, uh, I was reading in John 9, there's this thing where it says, as Jesus was on his way, and he was always on his way, he was always walking. He walked everywhere. It was his main mode of transportation. And when you're walking, you notice things that you don't notice when you're going 80. It's the same as like riding your bike. I used to ride my bike a lot, and you just notice things riding all over town that you don't notice when you're going fast or when you're in a vehicle. But Jesus noticed this blind man on the side of the road and initiated a conversation because he had margin and he was going slow enough that he noticed him and saw him. And sometimes we're going so fast through life that we don't see people, even the people close to us. I know that's my experience. I do that. And even this morning, I was thinking on my way to work, I I wanted to create more margin and leave earlier, but I didn't leave early enough. And I was thinking, I hope I don't run into anybody on my way to my car because that's going to make me late for where I need to be because I don't have the extra margin to actually talk to somebody for one minute because Mm. I'm already running late. And then Mm. when you're running late, you run right past people. And then if you do see people, you just blow them off. And I've just done too much of that in my life. And I, I need to rearrange my life to ruthlessly eliminate hurry because it makes me a better person yeah well and even even like my bike people are like oh so you're a cyclist i'm like no no no, i'm not a cyclist i'm literally (laughs) do not get confused no do not get confused i'm not wearing a helmet no i have a basket i literally look like mary poppins does Mary Poppins ride a bike? <laughs> I, I don't know. She but did that's back what, in the old days, I think. But the, <laughs> I think the she visual flew on for it, though, me, but, yeah, yeah, the visual for me is like, this is a bike that is a slow ride. You know, it's yeah. not like I am like pumping iron, you know, and You're moving not Lance through. Lance Armstrong out there. No, don't Lister even Hall. say. No, there's no spandex involved. <laughs> no spandex. No steroid. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I'll cut that for. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, the point is like, it's a visual reminder to slow down, to stop and like, to look around, you know, because it kind of helps you to keep that mind frame as you're moving, which it's just mm. been helpful, really helpful. Because like you said, Jesus, so often he was on his way somewhere and he ran into people. Like, I think there's even that wording. Well, Jesus was on his way, you know, like yeah. in the Bible, in, in different places. But he made time for people because he understood what his true mission in his life was. And it's so interesting because working in ministry, I often have felt like you where it's like, I'm so busy that I have no margin to spend any time with people. And it's like, (laughs) what a silly thing. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that messed up? It's like the whole point is people. Yeah, but the point is love God and love people. And what happens when you're busy is you do neither. Totally, totally. God too. Like God takes a back burner to my busyness all the time. And it's, it's funny because I think in some ways too, there's a, there's like this addiction to the busyness I hate it, but I can't stop sometimes. Oh, we are very addicted to it and you don't realize it until you do stop, which is why, you know, when we talked about Sabbath last time and Sabbath is a way of you actually pulling away for a day, you'll realize how addicted you are to busyness because it'll be really uncomfortable at first. Yeah. And you try to do it for a month. And it'll be really uncomfortable and you'll be like bored and pacing and irritable because you're going through withdrawals. Like we, yeah. we're connected and busy and much of it even through our phones. And oh, that is so true. I stopped social media January, I don't know, December 31st or whatever. And I didn't think I was addicted to social media at all. I was like, I'm an extrovert. This is the way I connect with people. It's so much fun. And I stopped and I literally had to detox. Like, I mean, I think I'm like 60 days sober. I just want you all know. But, <laughs> but literally, I don't even 
have anxiety, but it was like an anxiety like I, I haven't been able to connect with anyone. I haven't got the scrolling feature. I was, I was missing it. I kept picking up my phone like every five minutes. Yeah. I can't tell you when that was taken out of my life, you know, for maybe it's a season, maybe it's permanent. I don't know, but it changes the whole, really, I think the rhythm for my brain and my physical habit of trying to connect with someone like every five minutes. Right. Well, it, it, it created how much, how much more time do you have in your life because right. of one thing that you gave up? Right. It's I mean, it's a couple of, at least a few hours a day. Well, like, if you look at the, what is that thing that shows you how many times you, oh, how many hours time, you looked at the screen? The screen time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that like a, it's sobering? Sobering. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's hardly at all. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, like when you just put that down, you, when you say, "Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time." Well, you actually have a lot more time. We just spend it doing things that are not things that we have to do or that are necessarily contributing toward our vision. They're just things that we do because that's what we do and we just get in the habit of it. And so doing an audit of your life once in a while, just like you would go through your closet and do spring cleaning, go through your schedule or go through your phone and get rid of apps that you really are just time suck. Right. You know, and not things that are bringing joy and life and I think it was also interesting, like the other day, I picked up his phone to look for something. I'm like, what What has happened to your screen? So he turned everything gray. So literally, you look at the screen, and there's no colors on any of his apps anymore. And I realized, like... Todd did? Yes. You can do that? Yeah, you can do that. It's in the accessibility um, oh. like settings, and you can actually just put it all on grayscale. And strangely, it changes how much you even want to look at your phone because it's boring to look at (laughs) well (laughs) and all of those little red circles with the numbers in them they're red for a reason because they know red gets your attention and it sells and that's why you know slot machines make more money than amusement parks and sports and all these other things combined just because people are attracted to the color and the the repetitive nature of it and the spinning scrolling we're all still children we, yeah. I mean, that's how they advertise to children, right? Yeah, and, and it, it, it works. That. But what, sorry, you were saying. But I was just saying that was like even me getting on his phone and I needed to find out what that was, but it was so unappealing. There was I like I it was frustrating. I didn't even want to use the phone because it's working like there's nothing on it that there's nothing that's connecting with my brain that makes me want to even be on your phone, which I thought was an interesting feature that you can even do that. You don't have to get rid of. Well, that's what, you know, John John Mark Comer, you know, he talks about like at their church up in Portland, they've got a bunch of people that are just creating dumb phones by just turning off, taking the email off of their phone, deleting the apps. Just make it a phone. And just make it a phone. And it's like, oh, wow, how does that work? Or just get a flip phone and go back to old school. It's a little harder to text. It's an expensive just phone if you buy an iPhone and you just make it into into a a dumb phone. phone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, those flip phones. I... Want oh you like I can never text I I can barely can text now that though it is pretty amazing because that like texting hit while I was in high school but it was pre iPhone like I mean at best you had a BlackBerry but you only had a BlackBerry if you were like an old business person so you didn't as a kid so you had probably like a Nokia or something and you just got so good at the T nine and you got really good at Snake so yeah. The game snake. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting how that technological advancement has 
uh, has created less margin in our lives, though it's meant to create more or or at least meant to create leisure, but it actually inhibits our leisure right. in so many ways. Yeah, or it makes you actually think your leisure is that. Like I remember Tracy used mm. to first hour of the day was just scrolling through Instagram. And then the last thing before she went to bed at night was scrolling through Instagram True. in addition to the times during the day. And, it was, and I'm like, that's not good for you when you get up and when you go to bed. And she's like, leave me alone. It's my relaxing time. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it feels that way. It though, does right? feel like, it. It feels like, so oh, relaxing. if I grab my phone and start doing this, I'll feel relaxed. But for whatever reason, I don't like I, the, I notice that I've spent numerous times where I've quit social media and it's like it always comes back. But um, in those times, once I detox a little bit, I notice that I feel a lot more rested and it's interesting. Now I, I work for myself so I can, I can do whatever I want. But, um, sometimes when I'm like feeling like, Oh, I need a work break. And you know, you like go to pull out your phone and look at Instagram or look at something. And I'm like, you know what actually would be better if I just go and take a, a half hour nap, right. you know, right. like, and it's like, I'd rather spend my time doing that than scrolling through Instagram. But it's, it's addicting. I don't understand the science behind it, but whatever it is, it's like it is drawing me in. Well, and it is on purpose. I mean, that's what they're designed for. That's why there's some people in Silicon Valley that have dropped out. I, there's a guy, he's, I forget the name of the guy, Sean Parker, I guess. He was played by Timberlake in the uh, Facebook movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Napster. Yeah, and, and so he, he basically calls himself a conscientious objector to social media now because he says basically what this whole thing has been created for is to get as much of your attention as possible so they could sell it to advertisers. You are yeah. the product. The phone isn't the product. You know, the reason they wow. give you the app that's free and you're using it, like you're the product because they want to get your attention and keep your attention and keep you scrolling as long as possible and then feed you ads of stuff that you want to see. And they sell your attention, your information about what you like and things you look at things you like to the people that buy ads and that's i mean that's how they make their money that's why they're these big multi-billion dollar companies right they're selling your attention that's funny because i've never even thought about that as like we're not the client in that scenario because we're not really paying anything for you know whatever social media app at least that it might be but that in fact the advertisers are the clients mm -hmm. and we're working for instagram and facebook for free basically yeah <laughs> we're we're the product they're selling like yeah well and and that's why it's all engineered to get and keep your attention and it's why it's so hard and it's easy to become addicted to that but it's probably the number one thing that creates busyness in our life that could go if you're looking to create space and simplify your life and be more present which that's why i, I came back to calling this this practice presence because it's really not about the slowness. I mean, it's good to slow down. You know, Jesus walked everywhere and that's, there's a Japanese theologian who wrote a book called the three mile an hour God. You know, the reality is humans walk at about three miles an hour. And so mm -hmm. when God wanted to relate to humans, he became a human and walked with them. And we talk about walking with God, not running with God, mm -hmm. not driving with God. <laughs> I mean, there's Jesus Take the Wheel. That is a song. I'm that not going to lie. That's a good point, yes. Tracy. Carrie Underwood. <laughs> Don't forget. Don't the, forget. I mean, there's uh, a driving metaphor book there. Book of First Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but slowing is good, but presence is the point. God is already present to you, but if you're in your phone, it's kind of like if you've ever been with a group of teenagers, they're all in a car together and none of them are talking to each other, but they're all texting someone else. Hopefully not the driver. Hopefully, <laughs> but probably. I don't know. There's a way that that little thing keeps our attention that other stuff yeah. doesn't. And 
it's it crazy. And us. I promise our podcast isn't anti-technology. No. This is like two weeks in a row. No, we're no. doing it on technology. Yeah, I right? know. We're and you're listening to it probably on your phone. Everybody. Yeah. And it's okay. And we, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just to use it uncritically and to let it own you is not helpful. Right. It, to think about it and be strategic about it and use it in ways that add to your life rather than ways that suck up your life. Totally. I kind of think about it like uh, at this stage, it's it's kind of like wealth in a lot of ways. Wealth can lead to all sorts of evil things, especially when you love it. But it's it's a necessary piece of our society and the way we live and the way we, you know, like you can't can do a lot of good things. Yeah. You can't move outside of that. It's learning how to discipline yourself and use it properly. And now with technology, it really is hard to exist in our society without a lot of these things, you know, like even social media. Like, I feel like I have to have it for my work. There's all sorts of things like that now. Well, and, and technology is that way. Like I did a class when I was in seminary. I was going to Fuller Seminary. I took this class called The Ethics of Everyday Life. And they made us do without having a watch. And this is before we had phones. And so they're making you do without a watch. And, you know, you've got to kind of reorder your life because you realize just the technology of having a watch and living by the clock just changes your life. Now, I don't have yeah. a watch now because I have a phone. But right. and then they an made an Apple a, watch that's basically a phone. Yeah. On and your then, wrist. yes, it's basically like everything on your wrist. But th we did the same thing with a car and the automobile. Like if you think of the technology of an automobile, it has enabled so many good things. Yeah. You can get places you could never get to before. You can get to the hospital faster if somebody there's an, there's an accident. But it's also killed more people than anything else in the world. It kills more people every year than than cancer and handguns and anything else. But you don't hear people crying to outlaw the automobile. Like the the reality is, the automobile it disconnects us. It puts you in your own car. It's like Tracy's saying about riding a bike. You are more connected to your environment. It causes accidents. It causes lots of animals to become roadkill. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things about the car that aren't necessarily good. It it distances us from so the people we work with and the people we go to school with and the people we go to church with and the people in our neighborhood are all different groups of people. So now you're kind of skimming the surface and not connected as much to any of them. So every technology has its downside right. and it has its good everything. side. Everything. Everything. I mean, everything. Period. It doesn't even yeah. need to be technology. Yeah. So I'm not against technology. No, what was it that you had um, read about the light bulb and about the out? That was oh, interesting. Yeah, that, that's something that uh, Comer says in his book. He said that before Edison invented the light bulb, people slept an average of 11 hours a night. And now, oh, you know, nice. we're saying, oh, at least get seven, you know, and we feel good if we're doing that. But it's like technology changes things. And it mostly changes the pace of our life and the All amount right. of stuff. And the faster the technology gets, the more stuff you can cram in. And so if you just keep cramming in and you don't let go of things or say no to things, then you're just going to be overwhelmed. How much of the discipline of presence, how much of that is understanding my priorities? Like, because I think there is this sense of if I say these things are my priority, but then you looked at my life, you know, have you ever had that conversation like, hey, yeah. if I looked at your life and everything that you were doing with your time, what would I judge as your priorities just as an outside perspective? And would those things align with the priorities that I actually say I have or that I, I think I want and, and understanding those things and then being like, hey, I have power to change that. Yeah, I, I, I remember Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he called it first things first. And he said, you know, he, he talked about big rocks 
and sand. And he uses this illustration where he's got like a big yeah, pitcher. Yeah, we've all seen and that And he one. fills yeah, rocks yeah. in. And if you put the big rocks in first, then you can pour in all the sand. But for the amount of sand, if you put the sand in first, you can't fit the big rocks in. Right, right. And there's something about our lives where if we let the sand fill it up first and then we try to put in our priorities. Yeah. We don't have room. We don't have time. But if if you make sure you schedule your priorities and do those things first, then you have plenty of room for a lot of the little stuff. Right, right. Because it's like if I spend all my time doing, you know, a million little things like I I have a lot of things that I'm a part of and that I do and stuff. And so it can fill up my schedule really quick. But if I forget to make my wife, Marissa, a priority and put that big rock in first, literally my schedule will fill up. Marissa, he just called you a big rock. No, She is a... Solid rock. She is a fine gem. She is a gem, a beautiful stone. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. You just keep going. Uh, she won't listen to the podcast either, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Tracy, well, this is we, actually last, how we got you to listen to the yeah, podcast. Last week we said Tracy wouldn't listen to it, and now, and now we, we got just her invited her, her in. Uh, so Marissa will be here next be week. Next this week. is the only way that we can get her to listen to the podcast, is make her a part of it. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I think. Most of our lives are like that, right? Like yeah. we, we have these little things that will take the space if we don't fight for it in a way, you know, mm-hmm. in a weird way. We got to be really intentional by pushing things back and holding space up for things that really matter to us, like our families, like God, you know, like, like our friends and showing up and being present for them and stuff. And I remember so. years ago, I was getting asked all the time to come to an MLM meeting at my house. What's MLM? Multi-level marketing oh, gosh. something. Okay, just all the time. And I remember feeling guilty that I didn't want to go, but I'm like, I just don't have time in my evenings to just go to all these meetings. And it's exhausting having to say no. At all yeah. <laughs> and so then awesome. Todd just asked a really good question. And I'm thinking this was like when our kids were like toddlers. So apparently this has been a part of your practice for a long time, but he's like, well, then what is your priority at nighttime? Like, what is it that you feel like you're saying yes to in the evenings? And then I was like, I want to have dinner with my family. I want to play with my kids. I want to have date night with you. And you're like, that's enough yeses to say no to these other things, you know? Yeah. And it was just, it was so simple. Right. It was literally the most simple thought. Like, then it's easy to say no. I don't feel guilty because now I felt like my priorities got aligned in like two seconds. Well, and for other people, if your priority is, I want to be able to quit my day job, I want to be financially independent, I want to have my own business then maybe you should go to those things at exactly. night. And that is... But then you're clear. But at sure. least you're clear on your going the lottery. And yeah, maybe I'm not that kidding. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that's a great question for everyone to ask. Like, what are your yeses for your family? What are your yeses for your work? Mm. What are your yeses so that everything just naturally... Right. And having the wisdom or somebody with the wisdom near you to say, hey, that's enough yeses. You don't have room for more yeses. Yeah. Well, and that probably you don't realize how many yeses you already have. And so to write them all down, do the exercise, write down your yeses. What who are the people and the decisions and the goals and the commitments that you are committed to in your life that are your yeses that you've already said yes to and then go, well, how many can I actually do? And you may need to turn around and say no to some of those. I had to quit a kind of side job that I was doing. I've, I've had to do it a few times. Like I, I realized a couple of years ago that my wedding business, though it was lucrative and I enjoyed, you know, the wedding business and connecting with people, I had to realize like I've got too many yeses in my life that all of my Saturdays and evenings being committed to doing weddings isn't 
worth the payoff of the money that it, that I'm getting from it. And I had to drop something and I couldn't drop, you know, my ministry and the church and my family and all the other commitments that I had. So I, I cut that. That was know? a big deal. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And it took was, me a while I, I to mean, unwind it. Uh, side note, I'm talking over here and Todd shouldn't be looking at me, but I was like, w- you're making so much money. You cannot <laughs> right? quit this job. I mean, you're making more than I was making as a teacher. You're like, quit your pastor job. Yeah. Seriously. I, I was, I was, was making so more on my me. weekend, you know, part-time thing than she was making in her full-time job, at, you know. But you can only do so much. And that's yeah. the thing is coming to terms with the fact that you are a limited resource. Your time, your attention, your relational bandwidth. Like we were talking about my daughter wants to have like five kids, she was saying last night. And I just keep thinking, I don't have time for five kids. <laughs> so I don't have time to give the attention to five grandkids that you're, you know, that I want to give to yeah. your kids. And so I, I'm just like, I, I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, my capacity is different. Some people have right. amazing capacity for work or for relationships or for different things. Or and for kids. Or like, for kids. I, I feel like some people make that their sole focus and yeah, they're great their at yes. that. Totally. Yeah, and, yeah. But, but you have to decide what your yes is and you have to be able to say no to yeah. other things. And the problem is when we think we can have it all and we want to have it all, you can't. You could do anything, but you can't do everything. I was literally just going to say, you just said something about everything and anything. And what was that? You (laughs) You can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yeah. I I didn't make that up, but I don't know who did. Buddha. Probably. Sure. <laughs> I, I like that as a as we kind of wrap up. I like that as a first step, um, that idea of listing down. Uh, you could almost do two columns. You could do a column of where am I currently spending my time and what does that communicate as my priority? And then what do I want my priorities to be? And then asking yourself, what do I need to change? What do I need to say no to so that I can say yes to these? I mean, I don't know. Start with five things. Yeah, whatever your number is. Like for me... I even got it down to the point and, you know, partly this is because I had a month to think about it, you know, and and take a Sabbath and rest. But one of the things I did is I I organized my days each week around a focus for each day. You know, I've got seven days in a week and that's all I get. So if I could only accomplish one thing with each day. Yeah, like Wednesday woodworking day. And I, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They all have to start with the same letter letter of the day. Sam, Sam, what are they? Well, so, so Monday is my Sabbath. So my word for the day is rest. Tuesday is my day for staff meetings and leadership stuff, you know, because I lead at the church. And so connecting with people for leadership things, setting up meetings with people, doing lead stuff. So lead is my word for the day on Tuesday. Wednesday, I study. And that's my my word of the day. I, I study and try to get my message at least outlined and the main part done. Thursday is connect because I need to connect with people, with friends, with family, with church members, with you know new people at church, just relationally connect. And it's not that I don't connect on other days or lead on other days, but the focus of the day becomes those things. Uh, Friday is, is play, because we watch uh, our grandson on Friday, and I try to be more playful and fun because I, I tend to get serious and I tend to live yeah. in my head, and so I'm just trying to just play. And then Saturday is right because I need to write my sermon and get that done. And then I have other writing projects that I'm working on. And Saturday I write, and then Sunday I preach. And so Monday's a Sabbath, and I get to go rest again. I love that, how orienting it can be just to have a word to hold on to each day. Whatever's happening, you know, I'm, I'm getting busier. It's like, what am I doing today? And it's like, oh, rest. That's what I need to be doing. And if my focus is kind of getting drawn other places, like there's other days for that. 
yeah. today's well, conference. And some, and some people don't get the luxury of organizing sure. their life yeah. that way. Or uh, taking a month off. Yeah, or anything. about that. Like I, I recording last week's recap. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. It's like, I, I don't want to make everybody feel bad, but you could figure out how to organize your life in blocks or just intentionality. It's It's yeah. being intentional because if you don't, life just passes you by and it will happen to you and it'll be going by and you'll spend it and then you'll look back and you'll go, how did I spend it? But if you are intentional about how you want to spend it and then you make sure to do that, I think you'll live a more fruitful and productive life. So good. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Tracy. Thanks for having me, guys. Honestly. Oh, thanks feel, for being had. I feel yeah. honored. Well, maybe you'll become a regular on the show. I don't know. <laughs> well, I... We, I live with that guy, so you know where to find me. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> we'll just be able to find you in your, your peace spot. Yeah, I You're might just be on peace the bike. spot looking at the or ocean. Or on her bike. Between <laughs> or on her bike. Or, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys, uh, you podcast listeners, have uh, any questions or anything, please use the link that's available in the, in the description of this episode. In that, you can find a way to ask us questions because we really would love to hear from you guys. If you're liking the podcast, you can just send us some love. If you hate it, you can just keep it to yourself. Um, <laughs> And we need some sort of outro too. I don't know what to say. Like, keep at it, sustainers. <laughs> keep sustaining your, sustainability. your spirits. <laughs>